Good morning again. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to the Acts of the Apostles, Acts chapter 24. I'll be reading Acts chapter 24, verses 22 to 27. Acts 24, 22 to 27. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, When Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Blessed and instructive is God's holy, infallible word to our minds, to our hearts, to our souls, and to our affections. Let's pray. Father, I say those words over your written word, for it's true. It is the word of God. No matter how we respond to it. And that's why we need the work of your Holy Spirit. This morning in my preaching. In our hearing. Cause our hearts to be sensitized. To the truth. Do it to the glory of your holy name this morning, I pray. Through our Lord Jesus. Amen. The governor, Felix, and his wife, Drusilla, they model a pathway to hell that many, many people have taken over the last 100 years of American Christianity. They have been raised up in Christianized homes and Sunday church going and Sunday school and biblical stories. It's all part of the only life they know, their culture. And all of this leading them to say, 
I've got time. I'll deal with that issue of my soul another time. But I've got time to live for the world. To sow the old phrase, those wild oats. To live for the natural desires of my flesh. Yes, I feel, I feel conviction at times, but I put it off. When fear of the future coming judgment of God, my creator, convicts me, and I see the patterns of sin and God neglect in my life. I do like Felix did. I quickly excuse it by saying, I'll deal with you. Convictions. Another time. When I can find time. I'll repent then and give my life to Christ. And then I'll think about practicing self-control. And all of that procrastination, putting off and putting off, only to wake up to the reality one day that they have died. It's too late. Paul's message here had Felix trembling. And then he shut it down. Verse 25. And as Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. And he said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, when I find time, I will summon you. What is tragic is that Felix over the next two years never trembled again. And all the other dialogue with Paul over the gospel, it didn't come again. Don't be that guy. And we who by God's grace aren't warn people Loved ones, family members, colleagues, don't be that guy. There are two huge lessons in this passage this morning. And the first is this. The Apostle Paul shows us how to share the message of Jesus. This glorious good news of salvation. And the second 
lesson is this. Felix in Drusula show us how not to respond to that message. So, if you're there, Acts 24, let's go to the text. Remember the context now. Paul's in a, an official hearing or trial before the governor, Felix, and his accusers, the leadership of the Jews from Jerusalem, are there. And now, as we saw last week, that trial has come to an end. And we pick up there in verse 22. But Felix, have any rather accurate knowledge of the way he understands Christianity. It's right there in, his, in there in Caesarea. He has been there now for five years as governor. He's familiar with the basic teachings of Christianity. He put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, the guy who arrested Paul in Jerusalem and in charge over Jerusalem, when Lysias comes down, I will decide your case. And then he gave orders to the centurion that he, Paul, should be kept in custody, but have some freedom or liberty, and that none of his friends, and he's got a lot of them, they, none of them should be prevented from attending to his needs and food and clothing and all that he needs. And then we read in verse 24. After some days, evidently Felix and his wife Drusilla had left and they went somewhere else. And now they returned back home to Caesarea there as governor returned home. After some days, Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Let's just take a couple minutes. Who are these people? First, Antonius Felix, the governor. He was the first slave in the history of the Roman Empire. To get his freedom and rise to the position of a governor over a province. Now the reason is this. His master, he was raised as a slave in the household of Antonia. Antonia was a daughter of Mark Anthony. He heard of Anthony and Cleopatra. She was a daughter. Not only that, Antonia also became the mother of Caesar. A Roman emperor named Claudius, who reigned from A.D. 41 to 54. Felix and his brother, Pallas, were given their freedom, and then their citizenship, and they had close connections growing up with the future emperor, and so they both rose to positions of high Power. Felix was appointed governor over Judea from A.D. 52 to 59. In our passage right now, right here, it's A.D. 57. But under Felix, insurrections, rebellion, anarchy drastically increased throughout Palestine because of Felix's brutality. He was a bad dude. The Jewish first century historian Josephus, 
He tells us that Felix repeatedly crucified leaders of various uprisings. The Roman historian of the first century, Tacitus, described Felix as a, quote, master of cruelty and lust. So Felix, he is this money-loving, brutal, scheming politician. And we see here, too, always trying to line his pockets illegally, hoping to get a bribe. Now, Drusilla was Felix's third wife. Felix was Drusilla's second husband. She was the daughter of Herod Agrippa I, the one that we saw back in chapter 12 of Acts, who killed the apostle James, the son of Zebedee, wanted to do the same to Peter. She is his daughter. And thus she's also Agrippa II's sister. And also Bernice's sister, who will show up in the next chapter, and Paul will preach to them. They're married now because of adultery. Felix seduced Drusilla away from her first husband, some king of some little land that Rome gave him. The rights to be king over, like he does, you know, with Herod and Judea and all that. But she was raised a Jew. Herod, you know, that family is technically Jewish. But she wasn't serious about her Judaism. At this meeting here in our passage, Drusilla's 20 years old. All right. Let's go back. That's who these people are. They call for Paul. Talk to us. Tell us about all this. Let me hear from you. I've heard about your name, Paul. You're a famous guy. And so here's the question. What will Paul do? How will he declare the gospel here? What content will he leave out? Or what content will he put in? I mean, he is a prisoner who is innocent of these false charges against him. And now he has been escorted somewhere there in the palace to a, a room in order to speak to the man who had the power to free him. Or not. So what will Paul do? He would do what Paul would always do. He would fear God and not man and thus speak clearly and speak boldly. Let's read it again. Start with verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard Paul speak about faith in Christ Jesus and as Paul reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. So, so did Paul cater to the temptation to go Christian light in order not to say anything offensive? 
to the man who had power over his freedom or not. In order not to offend this couple who are known for their immorality in all kinds of areas, not just sexual. His brutality. These, these two who lived for the passions of their sinful nature. Maybe Paul could have just cut to the chase and told them, guys, Jesus really, really loves you and he's got a great plan for your life. And, and here's the great news. Nothing about the way you're living has to change. He just loves you. Love him back. He didn't do that because Paul had no clue about this seeker-sensitive American gospel. So he spoke about what faith is. Faith in Christ who is Jesus. And he spoke about how, not fake faith, not, not, okay, I'll agree with that faith, but the power of faith that's instilled by the Holy Spirit. He spoke about how that real faith brings forth repentance from sin. How it produces the fruit of self-control. Over sinful nature which still abides even in Paul. That one must subdue by the Spirit. And for them of how this is Christianity. Dear Governor Felix. And Drusilla. It will be producing self-control over your bloodlust and cruelty and money loving and sexual lust. And outbursts of, of anger. It will teach you graciously to grow in self-control. That's what he said to him. And he said all of that in the context of the light that God the Creator will judge you and everybody in the future one day. Each and every sinner who does not repent and believe in the work of Jesus on the cross and that God raised him from the dead. Judgment day is coming for them left in their sin. Paul reasoned about righteousness. And self-control. And the coming judgment. Felix and Drusilla called for Paul. Tell us. Why did they do that? I mean, the only guess I can think is he thought this would be cool to hear some academic Dissertation about the Christian religion from this preeminent Christian scholar named Paul. But Paul didn't satisfy that. He went directly to meddling in their immoral lives. 
This was not the intellectually stimulating entertainment that they expected. They got a clear presentation of the gospel. They heard Paul speak about faith in Jesus. And that true faith means, dear governor, dear first lady, it means that the way you are now living your lives must radically change. And the text says he reasoned with them. Because he did. He didn't try to bypass their minds and their intellects and just tell heartwarming stories about what Jesus has done in my life. In order to get them to feel warm fuzzies toward him, Paul's a real cool guy. He appealed to their reason, to their minds in order to get to their consciences. And he reasoned about righteousness. Reasoned about self-control. And he reasoned about the coming judgment. He reasoned about righteousness. He most likely clearly spoke about God who is utterly holy and righteous. And that the entire human race, including you, Governor and Drusilla and me, all of us are fallen into sin and we have before God no righteousness. It includes you guys. You both know the scriptures, you know the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. He can feel his decisions on so many human beings' lives as governor. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt love the Lord your God. You know it. How do you too measure up? He told them, you see the wrath of God. It's revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men and women who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came to pay the penalty for sin. You see, the righteousness of God has been revealed. This is the good news, Governor Felix. You don't have any, and neither do I. But God does in His Son, and He has revealed that righteousness. Apart from the law, apart from any law doing, indeed it is the righteousness of God. That comes to us freely through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. He reasoned about righteousness. As he's preaching the gospel, faith in Jesus 
Christ. Because this faith, he tells them, like he does elsewhere all the time, it's a gift. The faith to believe in Christ personally is the evidence of a heart change. And that heart change leads to self-control. It leads to walking by the Spirit and not living by your sinful, corrupt, immoral passions anymore. Clearly, Felix and Drusilla must have felt like they're being stabbed in the heart. As Paul's words were exposing their adultery and their lust and their greed selfish cruelty. Maybe Paul with them used the words that he wrote a few years later. For, you see, the grace of God, it has appeared bringing salvation for all people. It's available to you And thus, for us who are Christians, this is what the grace of God is doing. It's training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present He reasoned about self-control. And thirdly, the text says, he reasoned with them about the judgment that's coming. So clearly he told them what he told the Athenians when he stood on Mars Hill preaching, right? How how that sermon ended. This is Paul's understanding of the judgment. He said to them, Governor Drusilla, God, through Christ now, he is commanding you. He's commanding all people everywhere to repent Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man. A man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given us full assurance by raising that man, Jesus, from the dead. Paul preached the gospel to him. Preached faith in Christ Jesus. Preaching the love of Jesus to people must include preaching who God is in all of his holiness and who we are and who that person with the name Drusilla is. Or Antonius Felix is that we all up against God are horrifically unclean and unrighteous 
It must include preaching the fall of the human race and the condemnation of all us sinners. And that there is a judgment which is to come. If we leave these things out, we're not preaching the gospel. Not the one that's in here. Not the one that Jesus preached and not the one that Paul preached. If you leave them out, you say a lot of things about Jesus and how great he is to you. But you're not speaking about true faith in Christ Jesus. The way Paul did to Felix in Drusilla. And so now, the second part. I said there's two main lessons. Here's the second. How did Felix respond? How did Paul's message of the gospel, of faith in Christ Jesus, how did it affect Felix? Go back again to verse 24. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as Paul reasoned about righteousness, and self-control, and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed. And he said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, the Kairos, when I get time, I will summon Felix experienced God's goodness in an extraordinary way. It's right there in the text. We know he experienced not just the message, which is God's goodness if it comes to you. He experienced a visceral feeling. He trembled. He became Frightened, these truths made him feel afraid. Oh, what grace. That, that's what the word that's translated in ESV, alarmed, that's what it means. And the path to eternal life for him, for Drusilla, for any of us, the path to eternal life is what a person does with the truth of the gospel. What a person does with their trembling. There are two options. The first option is what the Philippian jailer did back in chapter 16. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe. On the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. 
And then Felix, he's the other tragic option. If he felt personal trembling and fear, he grabbed hold of those primal feelings of ultimate reality that were coming over him, and then he squashed them. Say, go away for the present. Not now, no more now. When I find time, I'll summon you. When I find time, what sad. This man was not just privileged to hear the gospel. <laughs> He's sitting in a room hearing it. Oh, he had no historical perspective. From the apostle Paul himself. And the moment of trembling for the reality of God and the gospel. The way I read this text and what we see and what Luke gives us, that moment of trembling that he had that day never came again. He wasted it. He wasted it. That grace of God in the hearing of the good news of Jesus. Felix had many more encounters and conversations with Paul. But the door was closed on his heart of personal conviction. He never trembled again. So where did Felix go wrong? And where, where do so many today go wrong? When fear, when it came to Felix concerning his sin, oh, he knew what he realized is that he would have to turn his back on his entire way of life. Felix in that room that day, he stood on the precipice. And instead of leaping into the arms of Jesus and eternal forgiveness and mercy from the cross, he stepped backwards and fell off the other way into eternal peril. Felix was alarmed or afraid and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you again, Paul. And then Luke lets us know 
what the next two years really looked like for him. At the same time, Felix hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for Paul often and conversed with him. Talked many more times with him. Paul told the same truth over and over. You ever experienced that, Christian, with someone? But he never trembled again. Part of him was hoping Paul was fake. That Paul himself wouldn't practice this self-control that he preached about. But somehow he would realize if I just bribed this guy. Paul had lots of means. He had many of these Christian friends here in Judea attending to his knees. They can easily raise the money. Felix knows that. For two years, we'll come here, I think, next week. Paul never did. Felix's corruption, his money-loving, it grew stronger. And here's a lesson. Beware of hearing the gospel over and over with a hard heart. Some people think this is the greatest thing. Not necessarily. Repetition of hearing the gospel with a hard heart dulls even more. The spiritual senses. Right this very moment. People are sitting in churches all over the world. And they are hearing extraordinary truth. About God. About his glory. About how he created them. About who he is. About how sinful they are. And how beautiful the cross of Jesus is. They're sitting there hearing these things and yawning. Because they're anesthetized to it. How many times did Paul plead with Felix and Drusilla? Deal with your sinful lives with repentance and confession. Do it. Receive God's mercy offered freely in Jesus Christ. Do it. Or else face God with all of your unforgiven sin at the judgment which is to come. Oh, Felix, there's mercy, there's mercy, there's mercy being offered to you right now, right here. Jesus himself, Drusilla, he said, I did not come to call the righteous. Yeah, you're a scumbag like me. Let me tell you what my former life was in hating this message. But he said he didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save sinners. He came to call sinners 
to repentance by the fourth and fifth time he heard it he didn't really at all hear it it was just religion academic and so for those of us who by God's grace have responded to that trembling have come to embrace the mercy of God in Jesus Christ here's the reality Christians are those persons who are justified before God by faith in Christ Jesus. And thus they are those who live in the reality of righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come. And that leads me in closing to say this. There is an ongoing principle, not just to someone who is yet not in Christ, but an ongoing principle in this text, and that is as we who are believers, as we place ourselves before the Scripture every Sunday in the preaching, as we open up, amazing that if you understand the history of the world, and of Christianity. We own our own Bibles. We open up our own Bibles and read and the Spirit of God is there convicting us. Here's the principle. We must not say, not now. When I find time, maybe later, maybe then I'll obey. Conviction, go away for the present. Paul writes to every one of us Christians in this room these words in 2 Corinthians 6, 1-2. You got to get this. This is written to us professing Christians. And therefore... Church in Corinth, working together with God then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says in Isaiah 49, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. And Paul closes it this way. Church, Christian, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so as a believer, we must be those who hate procrastination. We must be those who respond to the Lord in His Word daily at every 
moment of conviction. Whether it's conviction about the beauty of his glory. Oh, let me enter it. The conviction because of his glory and his mercy and his love of my sin. Hate. Procrastination. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. As the scriptures teach us, as you ordained it, as Paul pleads with Christians. Why? Because he knows those who are true. Those who are indwelt by the Spirit. Those who have actually been born again respond to such admonitions. Holy Father, thank you for such fatherly guidance Love, discipline, training. We so thank you for the work of the Spirit. We so thank you that you were working in us, that which is pleasing in your sight, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control. Oh, and our lives continue to glorify your name. And in our remaining number of minutes this morning as we sing, oh, would you, Holy Spirit, rise up in us glorifying Christ and letting us again and again experience this wonderful joy and peace in the Holy Spirit.